You're listening to another message from Generation City Church. I've enjoyed the worship and praise so much. Feel strengthened in spirit and uh, just open to whatever else God wants to do in our service this morning. Uh, it's my privilege to minister God's word and some weeks ago uh, I brought a message on bad news and I didn't quite finish that message. I still had one point to uh, speak on and I thought knowing that I'd be preaching this morning I would extend the message and this morning I want to speak on bad news continued. Bad news continued. Now, uh, let me just get my notes here. Bad news continued. And, uh, you know, when we read the newspaper of our lives, we find that on the printed page of our lives, it's not all just wonderful times of victory and things working out perfectly. But on the newsprint of our lives, there are many situations that would come under the heading bad news. Things happen to us that we don't plan for, we don't expect, we don't like. And a part of the human situation is that there will be times when we face bad news. Now, our newspaper of our lives sees it as bad news, but God's good news sees it as his opportunity to step in and show us what he's able to do. Our Christian experience does not immune us from difficult, bad times. And I just want to, for a moment, paint a picture of an average Christian day. Right, it's 6.30, the wife wakes up just before the alarm, has had a restful sleep, and as she wakes up to prepare for the day, the husband's already in the kitchen, dressed the table, got breakfast ready, and woken the children up. The children in perfection uh, get dressed themselves. They come to the table, say grace, and sing a chorus or two, and uh, right, okay, uh, and eat their breakfast entirely, their healthy breakfast of fruit and wholemeal cereal, and. Uh, uh, and soon after, they're, they're dressed and no problems whatsoever. They uh, wash their teeth, comb their hair, all ready to go to school with their uh, school bags packed. The husband on his way to work is able to take the children to school and he finds that there's a perfect parking spot for him just near the gate and the children say goodbye, Dad, and they walk in the school. The wife during the morning has no problem but with efficiency uh, uh, is able to clean the entire house. By lunchtime 
She prepares a healthy meal, healthy lunch for herself and receives a phone call from the husband saying, look, I miss you. I just wanted to say hello and how things are going. (laughs) Then she faces the challenge of the afternoon where there's time for some me time and she's able to read the word and uh, just to focus a little on herself. And then just before dinner, she goes into the... uh, Uh, bathroom and uh, she has one of those good hair days as she prepares for her husband's homecoming. Uh, The husband does come home but prior to that of course she has picked the children up and just receives glowing reports of how well they did at school, that they listened to the teachers and they learned just so much. The husband comes home with some flowers and says, look, I just wanted to have these for you because you're just so special and you're so wonderful to me. Dinner is served and everyone eats grace and they sing a few choruses. Uh, The children then uh, help with the uh, wash-up in a way and the husbands and then the husband helps bath the children and they're put to bed. And then they sit, husband and wife sit, sit on the lounge and the husband says, I think, I don't think I want to watch TV tonight. I just want to talk to you. I just want to talk about your day and how it went. Let's forget TV. And so arm in arm, they spend valuable time together until it's time to go to sleep. And uh, they go to sleep looking forward to another average Christian day. Now, how many of you have a day like that? (laughs) The inspiration for that picture was, of course, Pastor Marty and Pastor Margot, and I'm sure that their days were exactly like that. But the reality of the situation is that a few of those things may happen in our daily life, but often there are a lot of other things that kind of make life not quite as pleasant, but it doesn't mean that life is not enjoyable. And in fact, some of the challenges of of life really are the things that make life worth living. There are times we have bad days. And of course, James tells us that we're to count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, I don't do that. I don't count it joy. I'm not excited when God puts me through trials. To me, it's nothing to get excited about, but James tells us we should because James knows the value of those trials to our life and our future and our strength and our well-being, and he tells us where to count it all joy. And so very reluctantly, I try to count it joy, but I still really struggle that when bad times come and when bad news comes, that I am happy or rejoicing before the Lord about it. Last time I spoke on two areas of bad news. I spoke on the bad news of a life-threatening illness. And in fact, this morning as we uh, prayed for the needs and Pastor Marty shared with us some of the 
challenges and trials that God's people are going through. You know, that that news is not good. It's, It's not good news. But as we pray, we believe that God can step into it. And my first area of bad news was a life-threatening illness. And I shared with you what I believe is one of the most amazing stories of God's healing power to be found anywhere in the Bible. King Hezekiah, Isaiah comes and Isaiah says to prepare your house, put it in order because you're going to die. And so he had a life-threatening illness and Hezekiah turns to the wall and says, God, remember, remember my life, remember all that I've done, remember, Lord, there's still so much more to do. And he didn't even ask for healing, but as Isaiah goes into the court of the palace, God says, go back and tell King Hezekiah that I'm going to heal him. Now, I mentioned last time that King Hezekiah never had a son. There was no legal heir to the throne of David. There was no legal heir for Christ to come and be born. God needed a legal heir. If King Hezekiah had died, it would have stopped the the, the line that was necessary for the coming of Christ. God wanted to heal King Hezekiah probably more than King Hezekiah wanted to receive the healing. And God stepped in and God said he would heal. And King Hezekiah said, what's the sign, God, before I go to the temple and present myself as clean in three days, what sign will you give me? And uh, and Isaiah said, God can uh, change time and he can make the shadow of Ahaz's sundial go forward 10 degrees or back 10 degrees. Now, King Hezekiah knew time only went one way. And the greater miracle was that if God would take time back, 10 degrees, 40 minutes, and God said he would, and he saw the shadow of the sundial go back. King Hezekiah was healed. What God and King Hezekiah brought his family, his wife, Manasseh was born, a son was born, and the legal line continued because of the healing power of God. And what what God tries to tell us there is he wants to heal. He's looking for that opportunity to step in. He's telling us through this story. And Hezekiah didn't know much about the healing power of God, but God needs us. And often one of the great prayers we can bring before God as we face illness that might be life-threatening, God, there's still so much more I need to do for your kingdom. And that's why we live to serve God and honour God and extend his kingdom. And secondly, uh, last time I looked at the bad news uh, of uh, your life being turned upside down. We looked at Moses Any number of things, a change of job, losing a job, a child that leaves, a child that maybe starts the road to drugs. Any number of things can change the way our life is going. And Moses, after he uh, had uh, killed that uh, Egyptian, uh, uh, and, and then the next day, 
he was, uh, they said, look, you're the one that killed. He had to leave Egypt and he went into the wilderness. And there in the wilderness for 40 years, for 40 years there, he just waited. His life had turned upside down. The kind of life he lived was dramatically changed and it seemed that God was lost. But God came in the burning bush. As God came to Elijah in the still small voice. And whenever our lives are turned upside down, there will come that time when God will get our attention and put us back on course. It won't be 40 years. It just might be some months, some years. But God is faithful and God will take hold of us and his purposes will be fulfilled in our lives. And I shared a little bit about my experience how I've come back to Hamilton and I mentioned, and I could mention it, Pastor Marty might find it a bit hard to mention, this is the best church in the world. It might sound presumptuous from Pastor Marty, but I can say it. And the reason I say it is that my family is here, my spiritual family. And our families have to be the best in the world. Amen? Best in the world. And so this church is the best in the world. Amen, Pastor Marty? Amen. Okay. Now, I want to look at the bad news. I'm going to continue now. I've been blamed for something you did not do. You know, there are times in life where we're blamed and the situation puts us into blame and we're innocent. We were never guilty of doing that. And it's bad news when that happens. I've had some kind of minor experiences in that way. Others have had more major where people have blamed and brought things against them that are totally unfounded, totally untrue. And that kind of situation is bad news and usually very difficult to deal with. Now, I want you to turn to Genesis 39. And we're going to read from verse 1 to 9. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in the land. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put in his hand. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and of all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. And Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not, 
does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? What a remarkable person Joseph was, where he was faced with this temptation in Potiphar's house. And interestingly, that the name Joseph means addition. Pastor Marty last week brought a powerful message on the significance of biblical names. And you know, often our children were not named at birth, but they were named after a few few years where the characteristics of their personality began to emerge and a name was placed upon them as they sensed this would be the direction of their life. Now Joseph's name was means addition to add to and when you consider the first years of his life nothing of that prophecy was fulfilled. In fact his life was one of subtraction where he lost one thing after the, the other when in fact God had promised through the prophetic significance of his name that he would uh, have addition, that he would have addition. It may be that his father Jacob loved Joseph so much and saw him as an addition, a blessing from God that he named him Joseph. We read in chapter 37, three, now, three, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a coat of many colors. And when we look at the life of Joseph, we find that he lost the love of his brothers. He lost the protection of his family. He lost the significance of the coat of many colors when it was destroyed and an animal was killed and it was uh, smeared with blood to uh, feign his death. He lost the freedom of his birthright when he was sold into slavery. And then he lost the integrity of his character when he was blamed for something he didn't do. And yet, in spite of all these things that were taken from him, Joseph was honorable, loved God, and had the blessing of God upon him. And the story that we have before us where he's in charge of Potiphar's house, Potiphar doesn't even know all the details, what he has. Joseph's in charge. And uh, Joseph's... uh, Uh, Potiphar's wife made advances for Joseph and Joseph recognized uh, uh, the consequences of succumbing and refused uh, uh, the temptation. And after a number of occasions, she uh, managed to grab his tunic as he refused and he ran out of the house and then she told her husband, that Joseph had tried to uh, subdue her and she screamed and uh, ran away and he believed and Joseph went to jail. He was blamed for something he didn't do. He was totally innocent. 
He had to exchange the luxury of, of Potiphar's household for the stark, dirty reality of an Egyptian prison, of Pharaoh's prison. And there in prison, blamed for something he didn't do, Joseph remained true to God. And this is why Joseph is one of the great types that we have in the entire Bible of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, so much was taken. He was sold into slavery for 20 pieces of silver. And there are so many characteristics that point to the life of the Lord Jesus Christ in him. Now, as we follow the story, we find that even in prison, he had advancement. You see, your name can be taken from you. You can be blamed for something that you didn't do, but the hand of God will not be taken from you. And this is the wonder of the story, uh, that in spite of all that he lost, the hand of God was still upon him. God's promise that God would add would still be fulfilled. And in that prison, as uh, he was recognized for his abilities, we have the story of the butler and the baker, and he was able to interpret their dreams. Uh, one went back to Pharaoh's service, the other was killed. Uh, and then the, the day came when Pharaoh had this strange dream concerning the famine that would come on the land and the only person that was able to help was Joseph. And from that point, Joseph begins to receive the addition of God. God begins to fulfill his purposes for him. And we find in Genesis 41, 38, and Pharaoh said to his servant, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the spirit of God is? And in chapter 41, 4, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Verse 51, Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh, for God had made me forget all the toil and all my father's house. And then in 52, and he named the second uh, Ephraim, for God had caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. God's will for us is always addition. And when the world and those that would come against us take from us what they're not to take, what does not belong, what is not true, God will always intervene and step in and add and make up what we lost. You know, we have an interesting a verse in the Bible where Paul teaches that Christians are not to go to court with Christians. And if there's a dispute within the church or within uh, the church community, rather than go to the courts of the land, the church is to sort those problems out. And Paul puts it this way when he writes to the Corinthians. Now, therefore, it is already... Uh, an utter failure for you that you go to the law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be defrauded? And so Paul's argument is, look, if you feel you're going to lose 
by letting the church deal with the problem without taking it and shaming the church by going to the worldly courts. He says, if that happens, let yourself be defrauded. Let yourself face apparent loss because behind that chapter, as Paul teaches, because God will correct it. God will even things. Whatever is ever taken from God's people, whenever we're blamed for something we do not do, it might be a time of suffering, a time of bad news, but the good news is that God will step in, God will vindicate, and I found over the years different situations that the people still in ministry even though they had been accused of something that was not right, but it was untrue, they're still in ministry, and those that made accusations are not. They're not preaching the word of God. And so God, God will never let his people be wronged. Okay, if it's our own foolishness, well, you know, we have to have the consequences. But if it's out of our control, there comes a time when God squares the score. God makes it even. And I want to tell you that's the good news. The bad news is maybe you've been blamed for something that you didn't do. And you're thinking that others are considering it and wondering. No, no, God never changed his attitude to Joseph. Never took his hand of blessing off Joseph. Just continued to bless him. And that's what God will do. Now, the fourth area of bad news is the bad news of sin and failure. Now, sin and failure, that, that is bad news. Uh, it happens to all of us, and if we had the newspaper of our lives, there'd be situations. And the Old Testament history that we have, we find that God in the Old, or through the Old Testament has some idea of man's struggle with sin and evil and wickedness. But then the New Testament begins with the birth of Jesus. And when Jesus was born and he came into the world, he entered into this world, into our world, for three reasons. The first reason was to show us what God was like. You know, the Old Testament in symbol, you know, we get a, a kind of picture of what God is like. But Jesus in human form and flesh, we saw what God was like. Through his teaching, his ministry, his healings, his love, what a wonderful person he was. And so God was able, through the coming of his son, first of all, to show us what he is like. Secondly, he came to take away the sin of the world. And he did that on the cross. Now, thirdly, and often we don't give this enough attention, finally, thirdly, Jesus came to understand the human situation. You know, God could never understand the power of sin over our lives. God could never understand the enticements and the struggle that people have uh, in, in their personal life and their tendency to sin. God could never fully understand that, but Jesus came, and Jesus came to understand our human situation. 
He knows what it is to struggle. He knew what it was to be tied and fall asleep. He knew what it was to be accused. Though he was never sick in his being because of his sinlessness, he took our sicknesses upon him on the cross. And he was able to feel for the sickness of the world as he hung upon the cross. And the wonder of the coming of Jesus is that he understands. You know, sometimes we can kind of see God and, you know, just feel so bad that we've failed again. And and there is a sense in which, you know, we, we do feel bad. But God's word very clearly shows us that always there's an open way. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. The the very issues, the very struggles, the very weaknesses that we struggle with, the writer to Hebrews tells us that Jesus understands. And we find in Hebrews 2.18, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Jesus was tempted. He knows the power of temptation. He knows the deliverance that can come as a person relies upon the strength of God. Hebrews 4 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, uh, that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. And so the Bible makes it clear that we need to kind of, I need to try to get this right. Sometimes we can look at the, the figure of Almighty God and, and see ourselves as small and impuny and weak and failing and, and feel reluctant to come to him and receive his forgiveness and grace. The Bible makes it very clear that whenever blood is shed, God hears God pays attention to blood. And we have the first reference to the shedding of blood when Cain kills, murders Abel. And Genesis 4 says, and he said, God said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And the voice of blood cried from the ground, Abel's blood The voice of the sacrificial blood in the Old Testament would cry out. God would listen as people would come and sacrifice. God would cover their sins and then the blood of his son cries out. And so when we fail, the door is open. God cannot make it any easier for us to come and seek his forgiveness and receive his forgiveness. The blood of his son, he listens, he hears, it's crying out. The blood cries out for God's attention. And there are times when we fail him, we come, and we need to come quickly. And I heard a message uh, not so long ago that kind of made this a little clearer, and what we really need to do that when we sin and fail, we need to get to the throne of grace before the accuser, before the devil. And when we do that, God, I know I've messed up again. I know this has happened many times. But I want to tell you, God understands. 
You see, Jesus was there. And God knows through time we're going to come to a place when the sin will get less and we'll be more like Christ. And we need when we do, Lord, forgive, and then we don't have the condemnation. Condemnation comes from the devil, from the accuser of the of the uh, of the brethren, the devil, as soon as he can. And, you know, you wonder how he has the gall to do it when he sinned in perfect light. We sin with the work, the, the, the destruction he has brought about us. And yet he comes before the throne of grace to condemn us and accuse us. If we get there first, there's no condemnation, there's no accusation. We just enjoy the wonder of the forgiveness of God. Praise God. I think every day, maybe, as we read our newspaper, I failed there. I really didn't say all that was true there. But God, I come to you. I receive your forgiveness. God gives us and the wonder of it. Now, the last point I want to look at in terms of uh, bad news is burnout, the bad news of burnout. You know, burnout is when we come to the end of ourselves, we find that we have no more strength, uh, and often in the situation of burnout, uh, we, we might do things that are irrational and, and not good, and, and we just find we're not coping. We're at the end of ourselves. Somehow we've lost the grip of God, and our world is falling apart. Now, I think most of us have been there in some part, Maybe in a small where, you know, you're just at the end of yourself at the end of the day. It's been one of those terrible days. Others, of course, where it's serious burnout that's kind of affected your life and your work. But whatever it is, God gives us the good news of what he can do and what we can receive from him. And I think we have the classic uh, example of burnout in the Old Testament and I think it's Noah. And, uh, you know, I've only looked at this just recently in this way. Can you imagine the stress and the trauma and, and the heartache that Noah went through? You know, the energy exerted in building the ark with his sons. Then trusting God to bring all the animals and then finally seeing the heavens unleashed for the first time, rain poured from that canopy that surrounded the earth. And the Bible tells us the fountains of the deep released the water. And for, for all, a year you had this cataclysmic, cataclysmic situation on earth and Noah had on his ark the salvation of mankind. The few humans, the animals that were required, the seeds that would have been required. But, you know, sometimes we, we, we don't really understand the stress that man went through. And when the ark had finally landed, life was beginning to head the way it should. We read that Noah made or planted a vineyard, and he learned to make wine. And he drank himself silly to the point that in his tent he undressed himself and probably lay in a drunken stupor. But, you know, I can understand. I can forgive him for that. 
you know, very few people would have gone through what he had. And he must have been totally burnt out. And somehow he found some relief there. And we find that Ham comes and sees the nakedness of his father and, and kind of exposes it. You know, sometimes in burnout where people, because of the stresses and strain that they've lost everything and maybe their behavior's been erratic, there are those that bring condemnation, there are those that bring mocking. And then his other two sons came and, you know, in a backward way came and brought his cloak and covered him and they were blessed of God. And yet there are times in burnout when we do need the help of others God's people, those that are close to us. But what I want to say also is in in those times where we are not coping, whether it's burnout in its total sense or it's just God, I'm at the end of myself. I really don't know what to do with these kids. I don't know what to do with my teenage son. My marriage is falling apart and God, I don't know what to do. I'm at the end of myself. I believe God's answer is found in Isaiah, and uh, I'm going to do something a little different this morning. I hope you'll forgive me, Pastor Marty, Uh, but uh, uh, Pastor Arden inspired me with his singing when he was preaching, okay, to uh, step out of the uh, ordinary, (laughs) okay, Um, and uh, Isaiah tells us, and, and this one I'm going to show you. It just helps us in so many ways where bad news comes into our life. Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Apart from godly, close Help in our situation of not coping, God says, if you wait upon the Lord, you will renew your strength. Do you want me to show you how to wait on the Lord? Right? Okay. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do. And this is where I'm probably going to go into an area that's a little different, but this has been such a blessing to my life. The ability... And God's availability for us to wait upon him and what we can receive from waiting on God, the strength and that which comes from the Lord. I want you to just close your eyes in prayer. Close your eyes rather, not in prayer so much. Just close your eyes. And I want you just to follow me as I just share what we're going to do. We're going to focus now. On the Lord. We're going to focus. We're going to focus on His provision of what God is able to do. And uh, as we just steady our hearts and steady our minds and, and just be open to the abundance of God and all that God can do and how He can take hold of us, I want you now just to mount up on the wings of eagles' wings, on the wings of an eagle. I want you to mount up and I want you to begin in your mind and in your spirit to, to, to head up into the presence of God. You know, the Bible tells us that uh, we're seated together in heavenly places, that there is a spiritual sense, there's a sense in which we're in the heavenlies, we can be in the heavenlies where the provision of God is. 
And the Bible tells us also as we run the race of life that there's a cloud of witnesses that are, are watching us and cheering us on and, and, uh, and they're trying to encourage us with their lives that we too might win the race of life as they have. Now as we in our mind, as you in your mind just focus, focus on God, focus on what God's able to do Let's just go beyond, beyond the first heaven, beyond the firmament. And in our mind's eye, let's go through the second heavens. And in the second heaven, you'll find that that's where the angels are. That's where the spiritual battles are fought. And we're able in the power of God to go through that. And let's come now into the third heaven. And there we're seated together in heavenly places. And now let's look at the provision of God. Let's look at what we need. Let's see our situation. Let's see maybe that, God, we need patience. God, we need understanding. God, we need your strength. God, we need you to intervene on behalf of our family. God, we need you to rekindle the love in our marriage. God, we need this, and as we're in heavenly places, begin to take of God's provision. Begin to receive from the hand of God. As you wait, as you wait, you need in your spirit, you need in your mind, you need to flow and see yourself in the heavenlies there. Where all the provision for life here is in abundance Every need can be met. All that you need is there.